One Emotional Podcast, Conversations for Inspiration on the Go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, Dalina. How are you? It's wonderful to have you here in Luan Emotional Podcast. Welcome. Hi, Marion. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm very, very excited to talk to you today. Mm, yes. This amazing woman that I have in front of me, uh, Talina, she has facilitated processes regarding community building, peace building, and conflict transformation for the past 10 years. She has been involved in psychosocial programs that provide accompaniment and strengthening strategies to support women and children in vulnerable contexts, such as refugees and migrants, such an important topic nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. She has provided peace circles workshops with a strong emphasis on gender, human rights, resilience, and restorative justice for schools, NGOs, and international organizations. And she has designed and guided conflict transformation and community building processes for organizations that direct their efforts toward human rights, leadership, citizenship, feminism, and social justice. Well, of course, after becoming a mother, not many things in our lives changed. And Talina also became a doula and a sexual and reproductive rights advocate and educator. This is so important nowadays with all the you know, healthcare system that we have and the obstetric violence that we were seeing every day in our lives, right? And she advises also for on positive parenting, of, 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 sorry, of positive parenting as a fundamental part of the restorative paradigm. And we're going to talk about what is a restorative paradigm today in this podcast. But before we start with that, let's talk about conflict and its transformation. What is it about conflict that it's so scary? Well, thank you for the introduction, Marion. And now mm, there is something about conflict that scares us a lot. And that's what we think conflict is and how we are raised towards conflict. First, we have to understand that conflict is intrinsic to human nature. Mm -hmm. This happens mainly because humans, we are wired, like our brains are wired to connect, to live in society, in community, in tribes. And therefore conflict emerges from diverse situations in which we have different points of view regarding an issue. Mm -hmm. And under some conditions, and this is the scary part, because under some conditions, these differences might lead or result in relations being broken, deteriorated, or escalating in worst cases to, to violence. Mm -hmm. So it is very important to, to understand the difference between conflict and violence. It is not the same thing. So as humans, we are very scared or, or we are trying all the time or most of the time to avoid conflict. It tends to be scary because we are raised in a culture that does not know how to deal with conflict. Mm -hmm. We are taught uh, mainly uh, rather to you know to escape conflict avoid conflict at all costs or respond in a violent way mm -hmm. be it yelling be it when you when you're a child or maybe whilst we're being um, uh, i don't know whilst we're at school or it, you will yell you will push you will you know it's like the violence reaction and this is because we are we do not have or we we do not know that there are other ways to solve conflict. Mm -hmm. 
to like the restorative mechanisms, which we are going to talk about today. So uh, there are too many, uh, two main things about uh, conflict. Mm -hmm. Conflict, we do not, I mean, under this paradigm, which we're going to talk about today, the, the restorative paradigm, we do not try to solve conflict. We try to transform conflict. Mm. So we're uh, here is where we can understand that first, like uh, we can see conflict in a in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. So according to the restorative paradigm, conflicts have the potential to become agents of constructive transformation. Mm -hmm. It's like a window. We are allowed to see through that window, through the window of conflict, what is happening. Okay, what is happening between these two people, these two communities or more communities that it's engaging in, in an ongoing conflict in case of, I don't know, maybe talking about wars, you know, which is like the worst expression of conflict, right? Um, but this is a, um, well, okay, conflicts have this potential of, of being like um, agents of constructive transformation, but whilst understanding that it is not immediate, Mm -hmm. It's not like a button like do, that you push and then that's it. Okay. In this paradigm shift, and that's the, the, the core of this conversation, we need to change, to shift the paradigm, how we look at conflict. Rather than viewing conflict as a threat, mm -hmm. this transformative perspective, we see conflict as a valuable opportunity to grow mm -hmm. and increase our understanding of ourselves and others. How can we relate in a peaceful way, in a constructive way with others? Conflicts help us to two many two very important things. One, to assess, and the other, to stop. And we need to stop. We live in societies that tend to go in a rush every day. We do things like mechanically. We don't. We never stop to look at what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is very scary because you say conflict and immediately you relate it with violence. You don't relate it with the opportunity to, to get to know yourself and know each other and to sit down and talk and have a conversation. Of course. And for example, how often do you see that conflict has to do with having different points of view or being misunderstood? That's also a... Uh, another, um, it's not a characteristic, but it's something that happens in, in human relations. Since we are, as I said before, wired to connect, we try all the time to, or, or we want all the time to be understood by other people. And sometimes we don't have the, the, the uh, maybe the social skills, the communication skills, the, the nonviolent communication skills, because we didn't learn them as we were growing up. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we, we can interpret or we can think that conflict is there because someone is not listening to you or not understanding what you have to say. Therefore, and this is the proposal of restorative paradigm, we need safe spaces in which we can connect with respect and dignity. We need horizontal spaces when all our voices are being heard. And this is very different from the traditional retributive paradigm in which you are punished by, you know, when you break a law, when you are being disruptive, when 
and, and then what does the society has taught us to do with this person that is not, you know, uh, or are having a, let's say, acceptable behavior? We are taught to remove this person from society. And that's very dangerous to communities. Because you cannot just remove people from society. No one under this transformation uh, restorative paradigm, absolutely no one is disposable. We believe in first, second, third, fourth opportunities. We believe in the mistake, having the potential to change things. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the, the, um, to, to look at uh, conflict in different ways, you need like, um, and a particular lens, okay? It's like when you, and, and this is a metaphor that I, I didn't create. This is Howard Sayer creation, which is one of my favorite authors, by the way. He, well, he is, um, he is considered to be a pioneer in this field of restorative justice. So he says that we need a, a different lens. Like when you buy a camera, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you have these adjustable lenses. So you can see in a very narrow way, or you can move the lens and start looking in a very broad way. Mm -hmm. So conflict can be seen in this broad way, like with three lenses. So first is the immediate situation, what's happening immediately, what's happening in this moment, mm -hmm. and try to stop when that's happening. Mm -hmm. Second, you have to see past the immediate situation, past the problem. Mm -hmm. It's a viewer, it's, it's, a, it's a, a deeper view of the relationship that's holding these patterns. Who is having these conflicts? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not, not the conflict, but who is having this? Mm -hmm. And then in a broader way, what's the context? Where does these people live? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because conflict tends to be very contextual, very. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine I mean, you can think about conflict in many, many communities or many, um, let's say, spaces. You can think about your family. You can think about your friends. You can think about your workplace. You can think about your neighborhood, your country. Your, you know, you can go from the very, very, like the most close, the closest community that you have, which is your family. <laughs> How do you handle conflict in your houses? That's, that's the first, like, like the underpinnings of changing this, of, of this um, paradigm shift. Of course. And if we talk, for example, what would you say are the stages of conflict? Like, okay, conflict starts, now there's some emotional tension, and then what? There's kind of like a misunderstanding. And then usually, no, maybe you, you can tell us it could be kind of like a feeling threat, And then, right, like kind of like ex escalating that aggression. But what are the stages of conflict? Okay. Let's say that if we talk about stages, we would be narrowing the conflict uh, scope. Mm -hmm. Because we, since every human and every human connection is unique and different, we cannot or we should not. Uh, relate uh, uh, one or, or a conflict or the stages of a conflict to every single human connection because mm -hmm. it's different from everyone. Yes, there is something that is um, like prompting this, this conflict mm -hmm. and it can be a misunderstanding. 
Uh, it can be something that is on like, like the tip of the iceberg. And then there are underlying causes of the conflict, which is the, we have to go to the underlying causes of the conflict. Okay. And then, um, so like stage, yes, you get emotional, you get uh, maybe angry uh, or I don't know, sensitive or want to cry or want to yell. And that's, that's natural ways of, you know, feeling conflict. However, if we taught our children or our families how to deal with it, past these emotions, then we can go and transform this. Because the conflict itself is, again, is the tip of the iceberg. There's something underlying this that can change. And the importance of conflict is how we see conflict. What, what do we want to do with conflict? And they, here is where we can think about the restorative practices. And, um, if you allow me, I, I, I would like to tell you a little bit about this. So restorative is uh, the opposite of retributive. That if we think about justice, we immediately tend to think about a legal system, a legal criminal system. Okay, that's the retributive justice. And people have to mm, behave or obey mm -hmm. this kind of law because you live in, in, in countries that have their laws and, and that's okay. So. First of all, restorative justice or the restorative, the restorative paradigm does not, um, let's say, erase the retributive uh, paradigm. However, it's, it's aimed, the restorative justice is aimed to heal people rather than to punish people. Mm -hmm. So... It aims at community and peace building. Why? Because when we have conflict, when there's violence, for example, violence is not unique to the person that is receiving the violence. Violence is collective. Mm -hmm. So in the, par in, the, in the restorative paradigm, we have to heal the collective. We have to heal the community. Understanding that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. So in this um, shift of paradigm, uh, which has shown us that actually removing or separating people from their communities have not solved any further problems or any further, you know, escalating violence or conflicts. Or, mm -hmm. um, what the, the center of the restorative justice is the survivor or the victim not the offender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, we might think about legal systems, but let me finish this idea and I'll talk to you about schools, which is not a legal system, it's a school. And many of the people that are listening to us might have children and you know, you, your children go to school. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll talk about this in a moment. Uh, so it, it is a paradigm because it, it is a way of living. It's not only a way of you know, um, handling or managing conflict transformation processes, but it's, it is how you live in this restorative paradigm. So it's an, a new way to see things, to see interactions amongst people with a broader lens. Remember I told you about these lenses and the context and everything. So this is a very, very important because we can understand that as a community, we are responsible, we are co-responsible for our well-being. Mm -hmm. So as long as you are healthy, happy, um, safe, I am, you know, mm -hmm. and 
regardless that you live in another country because you do live in another country. But I, I do care about your wellness because we are a community and what happens to, to a person happens to all the community. So these processes are centered, are, are community centered. Mm -hmm. So they're like the, the three cornerstones of, of this uh, restorative paradigm. First is it is centered in harms, the harm and the needs. Mm. What do people need after being harmed? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most of the people, most of the victims or survivors of conflict or violence do not need, like really need, the person, the offender to go to jail. Mm -hmm. They need more than that. Yeah, they need to heal the trauma. They right? need healing. Exactly. And also the offender needs to heal. Exactly. Well. That's you very important. Well, no? Very important because that's the second cornerstone. Mm -hmm. The obligations and liabilities that come with that harm. Mm -hmm. um, it is, they, they harm involves some responsibility, many responsibilities and liabilities. And, and also it, it is very important to talk about the obligations and liabilities of the community of the offender and the community. Same as the harm and needs of the victim and the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And third, we need participation. Community needs to participate. Their voices, all our voices need to be heard. Mm -hmm. So the core of restorative paradigm is to heal communities and to put right the wrongs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when, when someone... Um, outside your community tells you how to put right the wrongs, it's not going to work because you're not involved there. So if a lawyer, a jury, uh, you know, an authority uh, person, with, with a person with authority tells you how to heal, that's not going to work mm -hmm. because the system, the paradigm that we live at now does not listen to needs. Mm -hmm. So we can situate this in any context, but let's go to schools. I don't know if you have a question before I go with a schools example. Yeah, I was just I was just uh, wondering about if you know of examples of successful examples that have put this into practice. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's you know like a program inside a jail that actually did it, or yep. I know for example these. Uh, South African called the Teddy Blatcher. He mm -hmm. created this amazing school system in South Africa where they picked, uh, you know, people, you know, like from the streets that were, you know, drug dealers, criminals and so on. And they put them inside this in, in education inside. It's called the Maharashi Institute. And they have meditation and they have yoga and they have like many restorative practices. And also they have, you know, uh, the development of different capabilities, not as in any other school. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the success rate that they have, it's incredible, incredible, mm -hmm. incredible, because they, don't, they, they were able to heal the person, heal the communities. And now, like you see people that have entered their program and now they are kind of like CEOs of banks or, you know, inside the C-suite of, of different, you know, amazing companies around. Mm -hmm. you no. Know, any other examples that have you know worked successfully mm -hmm. yeah there are fortunately there are many examples and uh, mainly like most of the programs are or were born in the united states canada and australia and now many of these programs have been adapted to many other con contexts for example there is a project that is amazing that is the the yoga prison project mm -hmm. prison yoga project 
and and that's a, a project that is international. Mm-hmm. And I worked with um, with them with this program in the um, w- with women that recover their freedom after being in prison, mm-hmm. and in community building processes and mm-hmm. peace building processes. Uh, that's one of them. Then there are other uh, organizations like the one I work for that we are hired to to conduct to guide these kind of processes through a restorative practice which is the one that i like the most because it's very horizontal and because it's very simple which is called the peace circles Mm. it's a methodology of dialogue which i didn't invent of course and um actually i'm honored to be part of of the people that have learned from the the the, the very uh, the very main source of knowledge and mm-hmm. and of course paying all the respects uh, the respects to the people that that created this 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 methodology because that's what it is and um, we we work at schools we work with uh, organizations human rights organizations we work with organizations that are working with victims or, of gender based violence and. Um, inside uh, prisons and like the scope is very very wide so uh, there are many other um, examples that we can find in for example australia organizations that work with aboriginal people and the aboriginal that being uh, people that are being jailed or removed from their cultures which happens a lot so um, there are many initiatives in the in the world that you can find like the restorative justice like that and and for example there are many movements that are religious based that also do uh, restorative justice mm-hmm. and uh, for example the idea um, of schools um, it it comes mainly because in the United States there's this belief that the school is a pipeline to prison right and in in order to to heal to avoid this way of thinking that school is a pipeline to prison, mainly in communities that are um, where, where there's a lot of racism, mm-hmm. uh, mainly black communities, Latin American communities, Asian communities. So um, to, to heal this process, they started, and I say they because this started in, in the United States and now we have it in many other countries, to, uh, to guide uh, peace circle programs. Mm-hmm. In this like positive discipline, let's call it like that. Mm-hmm. Because what happened usually within schools is it was, and in many places is still, if there's a student that's not having the, I don't know, the expected behavior, they would be immediately expelled from school. What happened many times in the United States is that this person, this child, because they are children, Yes. They are, uh, if, even if they are 16, they, they are still children. So what happens is that when this child is being expelled from school, and if, if this child does not have a community, like a support, you know, to be sustained or contained, this child will come back armed and, you know, fire a gun against the other students and the, and the teachers. And it, it's, it's been happening and happening. So the question was, okay, what can we do for students to be conscious and aware about the wellness of their school community. Mm-hmm. So through restorative programs, we started um, training the professors and the students on how to build safe and healthy school communities. Mm-hmm. 
So rather than expelling this person, this, this student, this child, the school will call the, the, the family into the school and the community and start a process of, of P-Circle, P-Circle, which is the one I, I know better. So in this process, the, the offender, which is horrible because a child, so the child that is not you know, behaving properly, let's call it that way, the, 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 the community that's being affected, it can be a professor, another student, or many other students, mm -hmm. the class, mm -hmm. everyone involved has the opportunity to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. Because again, going back to the underlying causes of conflict, there's something happening in the life of these students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we do not go there, we cannot heal that student. We cannot heal that community. So maybe, we don't know, but, but maybe he's having problems at home. Maybe their parents have, I don't know, economic issues, addictions, or many other things that we're not aware of at school. Mm -hmm. So the, like, the core of, of this paradigm is to take people in and heal in community, heal collectively, to let these people, these students know that their school is a safe place mm -hmm. and it is safe for everyone. Yes. And what type of healing practices do you do? Like well, it's about like emotional outlets, it's about communication, it's about what? many things because we believe i believe and with the amazing humans i work with we believe that the the human uh, the human experience mm -hmm, involves the mind mm -hmm. the body the heart the emotions it's not only like the rational you know part of humanity that we tend to um to emphasize mm -hmm. most of the times but many other processes so we work with the body with uh, how the body understands trauma. Mm -hmm. How can body heal? The body heal trauma, mm -hmm. Tra traumas. Mm -hmm. And how is uh, like um, a, a way of transforming trauma into resilience. So we do a lot of mindfulness practices. We do a lot of dialogue practices, art, um, yoga, uh, many practices of, of being present. We also do theater. Mm -hmm. We do um, dance, circle dance. So you use arts as well. We of... use arts all of the time because there are many people, mainly children, that do not have the words mm -hmm. to say things. They have the drawings, the colors. The you know the the, the first thing that a person do is draw. Mm -hmm. When you, you, you see your, your little kids, so before learning to do anything else, they might have a crayon and they start drawing. Of course. So that's a very good way of, of you know, putting out there what is hurting you. Yes, art is an excellent tool to, for emotional outlet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You express things that you don't know the words, you know, or you don't know, you know, the names of those emotions. But when you start mm -hmm. drawing or singing or dancing or dancing, moving, exactly, doing, it actually helps, you know, move around in, the, in your emotional body. Exactly. We've seen, especially working with women that have been victims of gender based violence and that are survivors, not victims, survivors of, of gender based violence, that the movement like through the body, they can bear the trauma 
and transform it without naming proper, like properly naming it. Because of course they name it. Everything that you don't name does not exist. So after naming it, the process of healing comes from within, which is very important to have a space to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to move, to, to let the body talk. And, and that's through dancing and singing and drums and connecting with this very um, a light energy that in spite of being very light, because you cannot see it, is very, very strong with, uh, when, when we are um, trying to heal a process. Mm-hmm. And if you do it collectively, like with many other people, this is exponential. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've all seen the win-win situation that this creates, right? Instead of like, as you say, instead of, you know, taking that person outside of society and putting that person in, in jail, for example, we know that it doesn't work. And through working, through healing, right? And through, through healing the traumas and the um, experiences that a specific person has had, eventually we're healing not only the community, but the family and part of the lineage, right? It could be, you know, the parents, the grandparents, or it could be the, the, the children or the grandchildren, right? So it actually creates this long-term effect. Mm-hmm. We know all of the benefits, about approaching you know the conflicts with restorative practices what are the roadblocks of why we're not using restorative practices constantly in our schools in our jails in our community in our you know place in society mm-hmm. I, do, do people think that it's too expensive do people think that it's that it takes too long to heal or okay. what are the the reasons there are many reasons, and I, I would like to answer these questions like personally, that what, what I have seen in these 10 years of working with these processes. First, there's this um, conception, uh, this time conception, that it needs to be healed now. Like the processes are like a button that you press and then you cool, okay? Uh, like, no, 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 this, this, and this is very, very cultural. Then, no, 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 nothing happened. Don't cry. Everything's okay. And no, it's not okay. You need to cry. You need to process it. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that prevent people from talking their feelings, mm-hmm. from saying what, they, what it really hurts. And vulnerability is something that is very scary. We do not know how to deal with being vulnerable, while vulnerability is also intrinsic mm-hmm. to humanity. Mm-hmm. So first is something that we, we do not know how to do it, mm-hmm. but we can change that. Like, that. like all this thing is because I have a lot of hope. This is a lot of hope to change and heal communities and collectivities and everything, right? So that's the first thing. Second, because it, is, uh, it takes a little longer, it's a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only that, Things like laws, like things that are written in a book have to be changed. Mm-hmm. And that takes a, a shift, like really a paradigm shift. And people, most of the people, if you, really, if, if you think about people in power, for instance, like lawmakers, mm-hmm. they need to shift this paradigm. And it comes with many questions. Mm-hmm. However, what we have to understand is that the restorative paradigm can live along with the retributive paradigm. 
Like if, of course, if there's violence, if someone's being hurt, if, if someone kills another people on a person, this person has to go to jail. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this person and the community needs to be healed, need to be healed. And then the restorative paradigm can exist, you know, at the same time, mm-hmm. coexist at the same time. And that's something that it's not well, very well understood. And in schools, there's some, I don't remember her name, but it's, it's a, a woman that, that writes a lot about uh, restorative practices in schools. She says that working at schools is like working in the circle under the square, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a square, which is institution, and then you're trying to work in a circle and to, you know, try to accommodate the circle in the square. That's because institutions are very scared of losing power. Listen, because this is another topic, but they are very scared of losing power upon the community mm-hmm. of, you know, because you have to let go of some rules of the school, ancient rules of the school to allow people to own their own rules. And when they're owning them, they become responsible for them. It's not the same that you, for example, in your house, you come, I'm the mom, so I'm going to say, like, all the rules of this house, and you're going to obey it, and you do not have voice here. That's the message. Yeah. Rather than, let's sit together, and what rules would you like to, to live in this house? Okay? And that's that's the thing. That's a restorative practice that you can do in your house. Of course. And it's incredible that, you know, schools nowadays, they're built in this really ancient model, right? A world that's moving and changing incredibly fast. Exactly. It's it's really interesting to see, you know, us have, Mm -hmm. it's very challenging nowadays for schools. The world is changing so fast and schools are not changing at all. And they haven't changed for many years. Exactly. Quite complicated. And it's interesting for schools that they're not adding kind of like emotional skills development. They're not adding, I don't know, meditation or, or breathwork skills. They're not adding, you know, skills that you need literally every day of your life. Exactly. And I, I, I want to, to, to change the word, the word rules for agreements. I didn't mean rules because rule is, is something like very strict and very squared and very hard to break. And, you know, it's, it's, it's authority kind of. Yeah. Uh, and and we and I was talking more about agreements, okay? Which is the agreement for you to be happy, healthy, and you know, sustainable in the community that you are now. This school community, family community, you know, like I don't know, like every single community you belong to. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is very difficult for schools, but for example, there are many examples of many schools in the world that are starting to listen to this other um, a, a paradigm, to understand that schools are very important to heal. It's a space to heal many other things. It's the second home, mm-hmm. you know? And in, uh, in these experiences, I've, I've experienced uh, peace circle processes in schools from children uh, age three, four, to teenagers aged, 17, 18, before they go to college. And people change. Mm-hmm. But do you know why the people change? 
because the school changes. Mm-hmm. And then it's like one thing leads to the other thing. It's hard at the beginning. Yes, as all the healing processes that we, like people like us that, that work with healing processes in many ways, we know it's not easy. We know it's scary. And it, it is more, I don't know, it's, it's more comfortable to stay with the things you already know. Yeah, but you're going to, at the end, they're going to keep on, you know, making the same mistakes or kind of like step on the same stones, right? Exactly, exactly. And healing is kind of like a, like an onion, right? It has different layers and might, you might heal on something and think that that's enough, but then it takes you to a, to a you know, deeper level and then to a deeper level and, you know, so forth. And, and life kind of like takes you through these different healing journeys for you to understand the lesson and the teacher. Right? Exactly. And it, well, then maybe it doesn't happen again. Exactly. And one of the most important messages of this paradigm or result, I don't, I don't want to, I, I, I don't like to talk about results because they're not a result. Like the process is important part of everything, not, not the, the, the result, but the process is that we understand that whilst I heal, you heal as well. You know, your healing is part of my healing and we are connected. And I go back to the first idea that I, 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 I told you, yeah. we are wired to connect. <laughs> So we need healthy connections, healthy, strong, sustainable, tolerant, lovable connections. That's the only way of healing ourselves, our communities, our planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, totally. I totally agree with you. And what can we do as society to keep on, you know, creating these restorative practices? What can we do? as civilians, as, you know, kind of like, what's our grain of salt? Should we start asking it, you know, through policy, through, through government? What would you suggest? What is it what we can actionate like right now? First, a very simple way of starting is educating ourselves. Read about restorative practices. There's a lot of information in the, in the internet, a lot. There are, there are Instagram pages that you can, that you can follow. Um, there are a lot of, of authors talking, writing about this. So educate yourself. How can you, like, like the, the first step. The second step is after you read or, or you listened to this podcast or, or you know, what, are, what can you do in your immediate community? Mm-hmm. So your family, what can you do? And there are simple, very short ways to start a restorative paradigm, restorative relations, connections within your families. So first you and the people you live with, and then you and maybe your parents, sisters, siblings, you know, that's, that's a, a, a second way, a, like a second step. Of Could course, you give some examples of that? Yeah, yeah. For example, you can do a very short um, agreement session. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I did in my house and the many of the families that I, that I accompany with, with this kind of positive discipline, you know, respectful, and connections with the children you sit down and you you're going to ask every single member of your family to to think about an agreement they would like to have in order to live happy in this house mm-hmm. happy is the word mm-hmm. because they are children maybe they are not going to understand the concept of dignity or respect 
And when I did this exercise with my family, the first agreement that came from my daughter's mouth was be kind. Mm. So you write down, be kind. If any of your family members of the children can write already, give them the power to write. Mm -hmm. And then the voice is passed in, in, a, in a sequential way to every single member of the family. And if there is an agreement that any of these uh, members is not you know, very happy with it, you don't erase the agreement, mm -hmm. but you ask this person, how can this agreement be more livable, be more acceptable for this person? Mm -hmm. And then you add that because this shows us that every single voice is important. Mm -hmm. Okay. It doesn't matter if the agreement is you have to kiss me goodnight every day. Maybe it's not important for you, but it's important for the person that, that came up with this agreement. And then after that, you sign it mm -hmm. and you paste it somewhere that you can actually look at it. It's a reminder, constant reminder that relations can be uh, horizontal mm -hmm. and sustainable mm -hmm. in a very healthy way. You can come back to the agreements every time you need. This is a very short, and you can do it in classrooms as well mm -hmm. with your students if you're a teacher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a very simple, short example. Amazing, amazing. Is there anything else that you can think of that we can start acting on it right now to live with more restorative practices? Yes, uh, learn how to be with yourself. Uh, try to um, connect with practices that, uh, that nourish your body, your mind, your heart. Go to dance classes. Uh, I don't know, read a book. Um, learn how to, I don't know, draw, paint, whatever you want. Something that connects us with the other, not rational, not rush. Um, kind of life that we actually live in these Western societies mainly, mm -hmm. uh, because it is very important that you find peace within, mm -hmm. because peace outside starts with peace within. Mm -hmm. and do you, what do you see outside is a reflection of what you have inside, no? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Totally amazing. And also, uh, for everyone uh, listening to us today, uh, we will have Talina next uh, Wednesday. Uh, as you know, every month we have one-to-one -one live session, which are these you know, webinars that we have where we invite different speakers to guide you know, uh, quality content. And in this case, Talina is going to guide the medicine wheel. Can you talk a little bit about that? It will be on next Wednesday, 10 a.m. Mexico City time, and uh, it will be available after that on YouTube. So if you want to know more and dig more about these restorative practices, we will have this medicine wheel experience. Could you tell us a little bit about what is it going to be? Yes, sure. Uh, the medicine wheel is a restorative practice that allows us to look at our lives in a very reflective way, like to allow us to connect uh, with every, not every, but the four most important um, parts of our life. Mm -hmm. And it allows us to see, like literally see this wheel with other eyes. Like if we were only like a, um, a person reading something that is written by, you know, maybe an other person. So rather than keeping this inside, you can actually put it out there and be able to, to see 
to really see and feel what do you need to balance in your life to feel better. And we're also going to, 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 we're going to include restorative questions. Restorative questions are very, very important for a personal, you know, for a personal work regarding our emotions or life or um, challenges, but also how do we connect with other people through restorative questions. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So if, if you want, you can um, go directly to our webpage, no? luanmuseum.com, and you can sign up there. And if it's past, you know, the event, you can watch the recording on YouTube on our on our YouTube channel, which is Luan Emotional Museum. Amazing, Dalina. It was wonderful to have you here. And before we close, I would like to uh, ask you a few questions. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea is to kind of like answer something short. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. okay. Um, what is art for you? Freedom. Who's your favorite author? Okay, I have many. <laughs> but first, um, Fania Davies, Richard Powers, Howard Sayer, uh, Madeline Miller. Amazing. An advice that changed your life. The what? Sorry. An advice that changed your life. Do whatever you want. <laughs> The best quality in humans. Forgiveness. A book that you recommend. The Body Keeps the Score. Love that book. Mm -hmm. What feeds your soul? Um, reading. Mm -hmm. The most pressing issue for humanity. The most pressing. Pressing issue for mm -hmm. humanity. Mm -hmm. Oof, I have many, but the, the lack of connection. If humans can agree on these, you will be very happy. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe um, let's take care of everyone. Mm. Like you take care of yourself. It would be a completely different world, right? Yeah. <laughs> What would you like to scream to the whole world? Stop harming our planet. The last one. What is it that you have lived that no one could miss experiencing it? Volunteer. Mm, volunteer in a community volunteer with children volunteer teaching volunteer do whatever kind of volunteering do it mm, i love that mm. a, there's a lot of things to learn from volunteering right yes. especially opening those emotions of you know empathy compassion right exactly. tolerance oh my god mm -hmm. and, and like, like really see that privilege is not a thing that everyone has Mm -hmm. totally. Mm -hmm. totally amazing Talina it was wonderful to have you here today thank you so thank much, you much for sharing your knowledge your magic your experience and everything with us and the Luan community and, um, and can't wait for our Luan live session thank you very much thank you for all uh, your attention and, and your questions and thanks uh, your audience it's been amazing to share with you this little part of my life mm. thank you so much Talina thank you see you Want to keep the conversation going? 
Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.